All right, go ahead and pull out something to take notes with. Pull out your Bibles this morning. It's really good to be in church today. Hallelujah. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. You thankful it wasn't snowing this morning? I am. We are continuing our series today that we've been in since the beginning of the year that Carla just mentioned to us, bring me another jar. We've been discussing this word that we believe that God is encouraging us to focus in on as a church this year out of 2 Kings 4, where the, if you remember, the, the widow has nothing left. Her and her sons are about to have to pay their debts by being put into slavery. They go to the man of God and say, what's God going to do for us? And he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, all I have is one jar with a little bit of oil in it. He says, go and uh, knock on all your neighbor's doors. Find empty jars and not too few. Bring them into your house. Shut the door with just you and your sons and start pouring that oil. And she does it because she's a, a woman of God, full of faith. And God fills up every jar they have with oil. And she keeps telling her sons, bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. And finally they say, there's no more jars. And the oil stops flowing. We are talking about how um, this is the word of the Lord and always has been the word of the Lord. God is calling us to, to bring ourselves to him that he might fill us with his oil. Amen. I had you start the year shouting out, I am the jar. Can we do it again? Come on, one, two, three. I am the jar. You are the jar. And God is calling us this year. Come to me empty so that I can fill you with my oil. We are discussing in these weeks as we begin the year, how do we do what we were just exhorted to do? What does it mean to knock on the doors of our lives, knock on our schedules, knock on the things that are normal in our lives? How do we find empty moments? How do we make empty moments to bring to the Lord and let him fill us with himself? This has always been the heart of God, the desire of God. How do we look for empty jars, make empty jars? Because we're desperate to be filled with God himself. This morning, what I want to do as we continue our series together, I want to talk about one very specific jar in our life that I believe God would exhort us on this morning. And the, it's a challenging one, but there is beauty and life in it. Because if we will empty out what we have filled it with, God will fill it with himself instead of us filling it with ourselves. And the, the, the jar that we need to bring to the Lord this morning is my simple title for this message as we continue. Bring me another jar, your calling. Would you stand for the reading of the word of God? I've got one mighty verse for you this morning, and it's not even a full sentence. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Lord, we do pray that we would hear you this morning. Hear you urging us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. We thank you for your glorious presence here today. We thank you for communion. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gathering of the saints. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that we are invited and free to be yoked to you today. I thank you for how we've been able to do that this last week. 
by the grace of God and for everywhere we have fallen short and gotten distracted, we, re- we return to you, Lord. And we come back to yoke ourselves to you. And in this time together, we are hungry to go in your way, in your direction, at your speed, for your will, for your purposes, and your fields, for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory. We lay ourselves down and we thank you for the invitation to come to you. And as we discuss your word this morning, would you give us grace to come empty, knowing that you are faithful to your promise to fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, urge you to walk. I urge you, bring me another jar. I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You have been called. You are the jar. You have been called. Amen, somebody. Your calling. I want to talk to you about your calling this morning. I believe the idea of calling... Um, has, has gotten a little skewed. Um, there's a lot of talk of it in, in the culture that you live in, the world that you live in. And there's a lot of talk of it um, in, in church. And I, I think that this is one of the areas where our ideas may have been skewed by being oriented around the wrong thing. We discuss calling. We, we feel the pressure to find our calling. We, we talk about our calling, and, and, and our idea of calling is oriented oftentimes around the idea that, that there is a, a mysterious task that God has for me to do. There, there is a mysterious calling that God has for my life, and I must discover it. I need to go out and look for it. I need to, I need to attain it. I need to dig around. I need to, I need to find this calling. And, and it probably has something to do with the money that I'm going to make or the career that I'm going to have or the influence that I'm going to have, the people that I'm going to impact. And when I gave myself to God, he has this mysterious calling that's now for me to go find. There's a lot of talk about calling in our culture, finding your calling, discovering your calling, living your calling, especially at the time of a new year, huh? How are you going to find your calling this year? Cultivate your calling. Now, as a Christian, you may hear talk about um, calling, and and it, it may bring up some anxiety or pressure or questions or confusion in you because... You may not know what your calling is, but you sure know if, if it sounds important and you don't want to miss it. Right. Amen? Anybody like, I don't want to miss mine. I don't, <laughs> it sounds like a big deal. Seems important. I don't want to miss the calling God has for me. You may have fear or concern about missing the call of God on your life. You may be anxious, wondering, what is the call of God on my life? And then once I find out, how do I do it? And where do I go? And how does all of this work out? But I want to tell you this morning that the reality is that this idea that God has some mysterious calling for your life might be the very thing distracting you from his calling that he has made clear to you. What I'm trying to say is it's not a good idea. It's not, it's not, it's not a, an idea to build on. This idea that God has some mysterious calling for you to go find. And when we 
follow or get yoked to that idea, it can be the thing that actually distracts us from the thing that is no mystery at all. What I want to make sure you know this morning is that your calling is not a mystery. You do not need to go find it or discover it. You do not need to visualize it or manifest it. It doesn't hinge on your dreams or your vision or your work ethic. It doesn't depend on your race or ethnicity, background, gender, gift set, or skill set. Your calling is not a job because calling or jobs come and go. Praise God. Your calling doesn't hinge on your boss seeing value in you and keeping you on the team. It doesn't depend on a dollar figure. Dollars come and go. It doesn't depend on a relationship, a city, or some measure of influence you might or might not have on some people. Some of these things might be important. You may be assigned to some of these things in some measure at various times of your life. I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. I am just saying that they, don't, they do not define, hold, or validate your calling. Are you hearing me? You are a human being, which means you are called to be a human being, which means you are called to be an image bearer of God. We talked about this at the beginning of last year. I did a whole message on what does it even mean to be human? You are called to be an image bearer of God who partners with him and his kingdom. You are a human being, which means one thing very clearly. You are called to Jesus. You are called to be holy as he is holy. This is why you were created. This is why you exist. This is why you are here on the earth to be holy. God has called you to himself. God has called you for himself. To put it in everyday language, you do not start looking for your calling when you become a Christian. You found your calling, and that's why you became a Christian. He has called you. He has called you and saved you by grace through faith in this man, Jesus Christ. Not by works so that no one can boast. And you have been born again. And now you have been called. You, you, you got called. And when you got that call, you were given a new heart. You were given a regenerated soul. You've been given a transformed mind and a renewed strength. You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are, you are still enslaved, but you're just now enslaved to righteousness. You are a bondservant of Christ Jesus, the Lord. You are individually a member of the body of Christ. You are not just an individual. You are an individual, but individually a member of the body of Christ. The people to your right and to your left, in front of you and behind you. The saints of all across the earth today in this city and the saints of old and the saints to come. This is who you are. This is who you are called to be. You are called. You are a partaker of the divine nature through the word of God and knowledge of Jesus. With the saints of old, you live in this land, but you desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. You join them in faith and you acknowledge that we do not belong to this world, but instead you know that you are called, you are a stranger and an exile on the earth. The old is gone, the new has come.
Although your outer self is wasting away, you know that your inner self is being renewed day by day. You know that these light and momentary afflictions are forming and preparing for you and for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And you fix your eyes not on the things that are seen because the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen because the things that are unseen are eternal. You get confused sometimes. But you press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus because you are a Christian. You might get hurt by the church at some point, but you continue on in the unity of faith and in the bond of peace for the glory of Christ Jesus who is the head because you are a Christian. You get distracted by self-centeredness. You get distracted by the world that you live in, but you put off the old self and you put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness because you are a Christian. You hear the strange voices of the world and the flesh and the devil as they try to steal from you and kill you and destroy you, but you do not follow those voices because you know the voice of the good shepherd because you are his sheep and you follow after him because you are a Christian because you're called to it. I want to encourage you this year. You do not need fresh vision for what your calling is as a Christian. You need refreshed vision for what your calling has always been as a Christian. We need, this, we need the vision that's been around a while. Oh, dear God, please don't give me a new word. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with all the ones you've already spoken. <laughs> Amen, somebody. <laughs> You are the jar. You are the jar. Now hear me, I'm not saying that there's not things for you to do at certain times, and, but just wrap yourself up in this calling as a Christian. We too often uh, misprioritize the order of our calling. There is surely a job for you to do. There is surely impact for you to have. There are surely places for you to be at certain times for certain reasons for the glory of God. But those come underneath your calling as a Christian. Because if you go into those things not as a Christian, it's not really working out. Do you see what I'm saying? There is freedom. There is freedom in emptying out this jar of what we think our calling is what we think our calling has to be, what we think our calling should be, what the pressures are that are on us about what our calling needs to look like and how we've got to understand all the little details before we jump in. And until we find this mysterious calling, we don't know where God is. We don't know where, what God's saying. We don't know what God has for us to do. He has much for you to do right where you are, right when you're there. And that is be a Christian. And that's a big deal because being a Christian is and always has been an all-in proposition. The reason we don't get excited about being called Christians is because we don't think it's a big deal. We think the big deal is our calling. No, no. 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 If you have a calling from God, who's it from? 
If you have a calling from God, who's it from? God. God. Do you think he's going to forget about it? No. Okay. So stop worrying about it. You worry about what he's given you to do, and you let him worry about getting you where he needs you in the time to do your calling. <laughs> and then at the end, what we're all going to find out when we look back is, oh, this was the calling. <laughs> See, we're just trying to give a little cheat code. There's been so many people who have gone before us in the faith, and they've all learned this at the very end. So while we've got a little bit of time left, let's learn from them. <laughs> you are the jar. God wants to fill you with his power by his spirit to live your calling as a Christian. To live your calling as a Christian. What I want to do this morning is encourage you and equip you with five values that are outlined through scripture and affirmed through all of church history, that when embraced all together will mobilize you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I hope that sounds appetizing. And I also hope that if you've been around Antioch for more than like three and a half seconds, that everything I'm about to say is review for you. These are our ways of saying it. doesn't mean we're the right thing. I'm just saying these are, our, these are our words that capture what is outlined for us in Scripture and affirmed through church history. What does it look like to walk in this manner worthy? If God, through his word, is urging us this morning to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, let's straighten up and listen. Amen? And just like his calling is not a mystery, walking in a manner worthy of his calling isn't a mystery either. Praise the Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Hmm. See if that one works later. Okay. All right. Number one, talking about five values. The first value that's going to help you walk in a manner worthy of your calling is personal devotion. Personal devotion. If you've been in church, you've probably heard these phrases before. So I'm just going to define it for you because all of these words are words that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So we're going to define our terms as we go so that we are all kind of saying the same thing. Does that sound okay? Yes. Personal devotion simply means this. Personal devotion is your relationship with Jesus. It's pretty hard to be a Christian if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So if you want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called this year, you need to have a value of personal devotion. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Praise God in his word. He has laid it out for us very clearly how I can know if I am in relationship with Jesus. So my question for you this morning is, are you in relationship with Jesus? And here's how you know. John 14, 23 and John 15, 14, Jesus says this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Are you in relationship with Jesus? How do I know? Do you obey him? How do I obey him? Do you know what he says? How do I know what he says? That's a great question. Let's do this together. Amen. 
Let's, let's, let's orient our lives around the words of Jesus so that we can obey him out of love and affection. Because the question is not, does Jesus love me? The question is, do I love him? Do I love him? Do I love him? Am, am I walking in a manner worthy of this calling to which he has called me by his love and by his grace? We don't, we don't need to worry about shaping Jesus into the image that we want him to be in. We don't have to worry about all of the loud voices in culture who are shouting at us from every different direction about what relationship with Jesus does or doesn't look like, what you do or don't have to do, or what you shouldn't let somebody express to you what you should do. Let's just ask Jesus, what does relationship with you look like? Let's let Jesus explain it to us. Let's let Jesus define himself for us. Let's let Jesus define following him for himself. Let's not chase after these, these even desires or the momentum of the world that we're in to just be like, well, no, I, I think me and Jesus are cool because I think that. Like, but based on what? What do you mean based, based on I said it? Right. <laughs> based on I had a thought about it. Based on I have a feeling about, you know, like, you know, I don't really, not like so big on the Bible, but like me and Jesus are great. Like, it's kind of hard, kind of hard, kind of hard to do that. How do you know if you and Jesus are cool? (laughs) Obey him. Obey him. If you want to obey him, just listen to what he says. And then you're his friend. Praise the living God. Do you obey him? Do you keep his word? Do you know his word? Do you know his commands? Do you know his voice through scripture? Do you know his voice in the body of Christ? Do you know his voice by the filling of the Holy Spirit and the people of God? Do you know his voice? Then follow him. Follow him. Be devoted to him. The second value I want to encourage you in as you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called is making disciples. Make disciples. Again, another church phrase that can have a hundred different meanings to a hundred different church people. So we're going to define our terms for us. What do we mean in making disciples? Making disciples is simply this. It is simply this. You teaching others to follow Jesus. You have been called to teach others to follow Jesus. And that can sound really intimidating, I know. But Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says this. Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's not an instruction given to to pastors and and church clergy. That is the calling to us as Jesus followers. That as we are devoted to him, as we hear his word and obey him, let us help others to do the same. We are called to help one another follow Jesus. Part of walking in the calling of a Christian is you helping the people around you follow him. Help the people in church follow Jesus. Help the people in your life who don't know him follow him. You can look a bazillion, trillion different ways, but live a life devoted to him and let that overflow into understanding, okay, I'm not just here to know him. I'm here to help others know him. Jesus says, I am with you. I am with you. 
as you learn to follow all that I have commanded you, help others do the same. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is absolutely water baptism. But I might suggest to you also that, that this, is, this is telling us that we are called to live lives like baptized in the Father. Baptized in the revelation of Jesus. Baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we helping one another? Are we helping one another or are we just trying to live out our own personal faith? Who's in your life? That's not a narrow list. Anybody in your life counts. Right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do you, do, you, do, you, do, you have a, do you have a spouse? Are you in a relationship with anybody? Do you have kids, neighbors, family members, friends? Are there people in your life group? Do you go to church with other people? Do you know another human? Do you know another human? God is with you, and he has called you. See, the biggest hindrance to this isn't, I don't know how to make disciples. The biggest hindrance is, I don't believe God wants to use me to do that. Once you believe that God actually does want to use you to help other people know him, you don't have to worry about the why, because you'll figure it out. He does, and I don't know what else to tell you other than we've been praying for you all morning that this would click if it hasn't yet. No, wait. God does want to use me. God does want to use me with the other people in my life. I, I'm actually like allowed. I, I am called. I am called to this. I am called to open up my mouth, open up my life, open up my love, open up my heart, open up my mind and share with the people around me and help them just take one step closer to Jesus. And it's not measured by some like, well, but, you know, wasn't this crazy testimony at the grocery store and the person rose from the dead in the tomato aisle? You know, so it probably doesn't count. And that probably happens to Andrew because he, all he does is read his Bible every day and pray. And, oh. <laughs> Guess I'll just come sit in the back and hope that counts. You know, it's like, no, you are called to this. You are called. You are a Christian, my friend. Jesus lives in you. We are not the rabbi making disciples of ourselves. We are all disciples of the rabbi, helping each other grow in following him. He is the rabbi. Who is in your life that you can help follow Jesus? Number three, a third value that's going to help you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, we call it life group. Life group. Small groups, life groups, call them whatever you want to call them, but here's what we mean by whatever word it is that you want to use. Life group is simply this. You devoted to following Jesus with a group of people. It starts to sound a lot like discipleship, doesn't it? And part of the point here is that these aren't like incremental steps you take towards a finish line. You know, like these, these aren't like uh, one at a time mile markers that you hit that you, you do personal devotion and then you kind of get to an A plus in that. And then after that, you go start making disciples. And once you've done that long enough, then we do this life group thing. No, no, no. This is like, this is, these are values that holistically all together create one lifestyle. Because it's really hard to make disciples if you're not devoted to Jesus. If you're not his friend, how are you going to help other people follow him? Right? And then who, who, who maybe should you be praying for as you're devoted to Jesus the, other than his other children and his lost sheep that are in your life? Praise God, they work together. And, that, and now, we've, now we've got life groups. So, so we're doing this in community. 
And being in a life group is, is one great way to, to consistently know that you are, you, are, you, are, you are kicking the can down the road on making disciples. Because that's why the group exists. Let's be disciples of Jesus together. We are complete, we are oriented around following Jesus. So therefore, by definition, you are making disciples of the people in your life group. Two birds with one stone. <laughs> Acts 2.42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is important that a life group is you devoted to a group of people following Jesus. These aren't just groups for fun. These aren't even just groups for community around church. Like These are groups of disciples that are trying to grow in relationship with Jesus. Now, there, there, there's, there's four things here in Acts 2.42 that describe what the, the first church looked like. How, how did they do this together? And it said that they devoted themselves specifically to four things. And so there's a lot of philosophies on how to do groups and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not smart enough to track all of it. So we just look at Acts 2.42 and we're like, let's start with these four things. It's very simple. We are devoted as we gather to the apostles' teaching. We, we, we believe that, as, that we are part of one body. This isn't an event that you come to and then leave, and hopefully you got something for you. Hopefully you did get something for you, but this is us. God is feeding us through his word. That's one of the reasons why we gather and come under his word. And so as we gather in our, in our life groups, in our small groups, we want to digest what God is feeding us so that we don't just cast aside the word that he gave us on a Sunday morning or through a series or whatever. We want to grow up into the maturity of the word of God. And we want to do it together as we disciple one another and we help each other figure out what was it that God was saying? And how is it that we can obey that? Because we're disciples, so let's help each other down that road because when we obey him, it's a lifestyle of personal devotion. I'm glad I went to life group. Do you see how this all, this is, this is a lifestyle. This is a calling, my friends. You are called to this. We're devoted to the apostles' teaching. We are devoted to discussing the word of God as his body. We are devoted to fellowship. I hope that you become friends with the people in your group. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes this is where things can get like a little weird. Like, because like life group only happens once a week, but you can kind of expect like, my whole life needs to happen Tuesday at 7 so that I live life with these people. And it's like, that's just not how it works. But um, who else do you get with once a week over the course of 52 weeks in a year? Right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we can look at one life group night and think like, oh, like deep fellowship didn't happen. Give it some time. Give it some time. What other group of people have you been devoted to following Jesus with once a week over the course of a year or two? If you haven't experienced what happens over time, give it some time, my friends. Give it some time. Give it some time. Be the first one to make a phone call, not on Tuesday night, but the Friday night where something's happened. Initiate. Be devoted to fellowship together. And I know that this is hard because we, we become friends and then groups grow and then they change and things happen and, and more people start coming to church, which is amazing, but then they kind of come to my life group. <laughs> and we had a good thing going there, you know? And I understand that. I get that. I know that feeling. And it's like the tension. But this is where, again, we just consistently lay our lives down. Because one time somebody made space in life group for me. And I ended up loving it so much, I kind of don't want you here. 
And it took me like a solid year and a half to feel like I really liked it here. So I'm going to give it another year and a half with you here. <laughs> Come on. Why? It's not so that we can be good Antioch folks. We're called to this. We're called to being devoted to following Jesus with other people. Devoted to fellowship. Devoting to the breaking of bread. We love taking communion in our life groups together. Remembering the body and blood of Jesus. Because that is the thing that, that makes this powerful. It's not our, core in, it's not our uh, shared interests that make this life changing. It is the body and blood of Jesus. Maybe you eat dinner together. Maybe you take communion together. However we do it. But we stop to remember him as we gather together. And we want to be devoted to prayer. I want to be devoted to prayer because, again, as we do these things, we all make disciples of one another, cultivating personal devotion in each of our lives so that our life group turns out it's a group of people devoted to following Jesus together. Yeah. Number four, the fourth value I want to encourage you in this year is corporate gatherings. Things like this, Sunday morning, and other ways that we gather corporately as a church. I want to define corporate gatherings simply as this. You know that you are carrying the value of corporate gatherings if you are participating as a member of a local body of Jesus. We say this a lot, but we believe that church is a participation sport. And we believe that because the Bible says it. First Corinthians 12, 7 says this, to each is given. Anybody included in each? Yes. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You are called to manifest God to everybody else for their good. That's cooler than any job I've ever heard of. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, that's what you got saved into. God himself says, hey, I have given you a manifestation of me for my people. Let's go. Ephesians 1 says this, and he put all things under his feet and he gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The corporate gathering of the church, the, the idea of the, the corporate church in our entitled postmodern individualistic post-Christian culture is under attack in a big way. Lots of people are complaining about it and bitter about it. But they're all wrong. There is nothing more sacred on this earth in the community of human beings than gathering together under the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Do not stop coming. Do not stop coming. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes things go very wrong legitimately, absolutely. But that is not because God's wrong. You are called to the body of Christ. You are called to the body of Christ, and as a Christian, part of you walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called is that you are consistently part of his body, not so you can get something out of it, but because God has given you a manifestation of himself for everybody else. You are called to the corporate body of Christ. You are called to it. It doesn't mean that everybody gets a title and a microphone and all of those sort of things. It might be big. It might be small. We already talked about this. Your calling doesn't depend on a high five from a certain person. 
God himself has put himself inside of you. You are the jar. You are the jar. We are the body. Unto the head. We live unto him. We live unto him. We strengthen each other when we gather together. I'm not saying everything goes perfectly all the way, but what does that even mean? What does that even mean for it to go perfect? Does it mean it went, everything went the way you like it? Because this was all about me? <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus is the target audience. I come here for him. And while we're at it, you might leave this church sometime. And I won't be mad at you. We would cheer you on. Just find, find some body to participate in and run in for the glory of God. Like, there's, there's churches all around here. We bless them. We love them. It's like, not everybody's part of your family. That doesn't mean they're not really part of family somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, God's building his church. Antioch isn't. Which just is like, wow, it's amazing. So like the people who do it differently, what if it's God? Like what if that's how God wants to build his body? Is that like we're actually not that big of a deal? And like, you know what I'm saying? Like we wouldn't say it out loud until we say it out loud. And it's like, oh, I thought we were, like, I thought we were the ones that had it all figured out. No, we, I'm telling you right now, we don't have it all figured out. We're trying, to do, we're trying to do the lane that God's called us to do and cheer on all of our brothers and sisters to the left and to the right because this isn't my kingdom. This isn't Antioch's kingdom or that church's kingdom or that pastor's kingdom or this person's preference's kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. And Jesus, listen to, yes, amen. And listen, Jesus builds his church. Bless him. Bless him. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He knows how to take care of it. Let's just do what he's given us to do for his sake and for his name and for his glory and cheer everybody else on because they're probably doing it the same way we are, meaning I'm trying. Praise God. I told them to come up now so I would know I got to close it down. (laughs) Number five, last value. I want to encourage and exhort you in. I want to urge you in. As you walk in a manner worthy of your calling is to live a life on mission. Life on mission. We're all moving. That was a joke and nobody laughed. The plane is outside. We're all leaving. No. What does this mean, life on mission? We all got to be missionaries and go on trips and all these, like, come on, life on mission. What do we mean? Living on mission is this. Living on mission is you participating in the purposes of Jesus. That's what it means to live a life on mission. Is to wake up every day and say, I want to live as a part of the purposes of Jesus. Where are you? Start there. When, When should I start? Now sounds good. Wherever you are, whenever you're there, live for the purposes of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, you have been called an ambassador for Christ. 
God, make, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, we urge you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do I know what his purposes are? That's what I've been looking for. What, what is my calling so that I can participate in the purposes of God? Well, he's called, he's called you. He has purposed in himself that you might, you might be his friend. That you would love him. That you would listen to his word and know him and do what he commands. That you would yoke yourself to him. He, he has called you. He has, he has purposed in his heart for you that you might help other people know him as you grow in him. He has purposed in his heart that you might be a part of his body, the church. The gathering in, in groups so that we can do this together in relationship and, and the corporate gathering of the body where we bring our strengths and our weaknesses together unto the head. And he has purpose in his heart for you that these are his purposes. His purpose is that you might know him and make him known. His purpose is that you might be the jar. God's purpose for you to participate in is to stop forsaking him, the fountain of living water. Stop going and hewing cisterns for yourself that hold no water and come to the fountain and drink. The purposes of God for you to participate in, thank you, KZ, you're allowed to do that. Come on, church. Your purpose is to be a Christian. Let's stand as we close together. We're gonna have our prayer team come up. If you need prayer for anything in your life, I encourage you to come up and get it before you leave. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for our time together. We thank you for this great and beautiful calling to which we have been called. And we do pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would empower us, equip us, encourage us. Come now and urge us on to live a life, walk in a manner worthy of this great calling. Come and fill us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Let's worship together, church.